0: You know what that sound means? It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons podcast where we talk local sports both the Atlanta Pro franchises like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in guys, it's another exciting episode about to start. Right now. What up Podcast Land? This is your host Jam and Joe, the Fan brawl Seasons Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking Braves baseball and also a little Atlanta Falcons football and also at long last a little University of Georgia football. Go Dogs. So we're gonna start out today's episode with a little Braves baseball here. And and as always, I gotta introduce my sidekick. And goes RG3. RG3, how's it going, man? It's going. It's going well. It's just another day living the dream, you know, you Another and day in paradise. Doing our thing. All right, well, let's get it started here, man. Let's chop things up. We're getting into a little bit of Braves baseball talk here. So after a disappointing series last weekend against the Dodgers, the Braves continued their homestand against the Miami Marlins. Or after the game Thursday night against the L.A. Dodgers, the Braves acquired uh, left-handed pitcher Johnny Venters, who a lot of you Brave fans should recognize. He he was a former Brave back in the days of the three-headed monster of or of Erica Flaherty, who had pitched the seventh, Johnny Venters in the eighth, and Craig Kimbrel in the ninth. The three-headed monster. It, it was pretty special, in, you know, with the with those three guys what they could do at the back end in the bullpen for the Braves. And so it's good to have Johnny back, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely do.
0: And really, they didn't really give up too much. All they gave up was an international bonus pool slot. And those slots are used to acquire like uh, international players and players from other countries, which the Braves have been known to do through the years. So RG3 is going to get into game one uh, of the Marlins series, which was Monday night.
1: And RG3 is
0: going to take it away.
1: Well, Julio Tehran started for the Braves. Uh, Tehran pitched five innings, gave up four hits, three runs, all earned. Uh, Julio also had four strikeouts. Uh, he gave up two home runs to the Marlins. Right fielder Brian Anderson in the top of the first inning, and Realmudo doubled and scored Cameron Maben after Tehran and the bullpen settled down. Brad Bach made his Atlanta debut in top of the 8th inning and pitched well. Uh, Brock was traded to Atlanta from Baltimore, and his stats aren't as as impressive as one might think. Uh, He has an ERA of 4.73, but coming to Atlanta uh, with a fresh start and a change of scenery, I believe, will be very good for him. Um, He will get the pitch Meaningful innings. Uh, people forget that he was an all star just two seasons ago in 2000. Uh, Freddie Freeman would hit a solo home run to give the Bravos the first lead of the game. That's Freeman's 18th homer of the season. Uh, Camargo in the bottom of the third would double again. Flowers would score to give the Braves a 4 2 lead. In the bottom of the fifth inning, Acuna hit a solo home run to dead center field giving the Braves a 5-2 lead. A.J. Minter would come on in the ninth inning to give his sixth save of the season.
0: And, and the Braves also made a trade uh, following the game Monday night. The Braves acquired uh, outfielder and first baseman Adam Duval from the Cincinnati Reds for pitchers Lucas Sims and Matt Whistler as well as outfielder Preston Tucker. I for one am very excited about the Adam Duvall trade, I think Duvall can really uh, provide some power. And he can play left field as well as first base. And I'm so I'm going to get into some of Adam Duvall's stats here. So Duvall is batting 2 of 5 with 15 home runs and 61 RBIs. Duvall provides depth in the outfield. And he can play first, as I said earlier. He's also right-handed and uh, he has power. And that's something the Braves desperately... Desperately need right now the bench could use a shot in the arm and Duvall can definitely do that he can definitely provide the Braves some right-handed thump off the bench or playing left field now if he does play left field what would happen is he would go to left field RG3 Acuna would go to center and then Marquez would go and Marquez would stay in right so that's kinda how that would work and on Tuesday which was the Major League Baseball trading deadline the Braves made another acquisition. The Braves acquired Kevin Gosman, who was a top four pick um, out of Louisiana State University from the Baltimore Orioles. Who's a very talented pitcher. He's had a very tough season this year, but hopefully, getting to pitch meaningful innings. You know, kind of like Brad Brock, his former teammate with Baltimore, will be able to stabilize. It. Or, or they'll be able to you know study the course, and be able to um, and, and be able to be able to be big for the Braves you know coming down the stretch. The other big thing about Gosman is he's under control till 2021, until so the Braves have control of him for a while, which is good. And that's something Alex Anthopoulos has said before that he wanted to find a starting pitcher, but he wanted to find a starting pitcher who he could um, or who had some control and Gosman definitely fits that billing perfectly. And so in the Baltimore trade for Gosman, the Braves traded underly catcher Brett Cumberland, who was a top 30 prospect, as well as third base prospect, Jean Carlos Encarnacion, who is the number 14 best prospect in the Braves organization. Encarnacion was at low a Rome. He batted 288 with 10 home runs. And he's a very talented player. He's just very young. But the Braves have Austin Riley and AAA. And so that's why the Braves felt like Encarnacion was expendable. And kind of the same with the Cumberland situation. The Braves have Williams Contreras, who I talked about. I can't remember if it was last episode or two episodes ago. But they have him and a couple other catchers down the line. So they felt like these two were the most uh, expendable prospects. And so I wish them both the best on their new uh, um, career endeavors with the Baltimore Orioles organization. And so Tuesday was also a very special day for the Braves. They called up top 10 pitching prospect Colby Howard. Howard was the Braves' first round draft pick in 2015. The same draft as Mike who's who has already made his major league debut and who's with the Braves. He's just injured right now, as well as third base prospect uh, Austin Riley. They were all in the same job, so that draft class was really loaded, and it's hopefully going to be very impactful for the Braves for years to come. And so Tuesday, the weather was really bad, but finally around 10 p.m., the Braves and Marlins could play baseball. Colby Allard pitched five innings. He gave up nine hits, five runs, four earned, two walks, and one strikeout. And he, but he also gave up a home run. Colby also got a single to right field in his first at bat, first career hit as a major leader. Colby Howard is a very talented kid who will hopefully be a mainstay in the Atlanta rotation for years to come. Braves offense busted out for 19 hits as a team. That, that's the most they've had at any point this season. The offense was facing Marlins starting pitcher Dan Straley. Straley gave up 11 of those 19 hits. Acuna led the charge for the Braves in the bottom of the first, with a solo home run, his 11th of the season. Acuna, since since moving to the leadoff spot, has a batting average of .350. Ronald went 3-for-5 last night. Freddie Freeman continues to destroy Marlins pitching and every shift they throw at him. He was 3-for-5 again last night and recorded his 68th RBI. In my opinion, Freddie Freeman is a legitimate MVP candidate. The Braves' offense had other heroes, like Ender and C.R. Day, who had a four-hit night last night for the Braves. Yohan Camargo, as well, chipped in with his 12th homer of the season. Camargo's been really clutch of late, not only with the bat, but also with the glove. Every position player for the Braves had a hit last night, which was pretty cool to see. And Colby Allard got his first career win, so congrats, kid. And tonight, the Braves will send Annabelle Sanchez to the mound, To take on the Miami Marlins for the third and final game in this series.
1: Following the Marlins series, the Braves head to Queens, New York to play the Mets. Uh, The series will begin on Thursday and will end on Sunday.
0: So we're going to transition from the baseball talk to a little Atlanta Falcons here, and we've got RG3 talking Falcons.
1: All right, the Falcons were off yesterday, and we'll be back on the field today which is Wednesday, August 1st. Uh, the relationship that's developing is Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. There's a relationship developing uh, between Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Calvin is calling Julio Coach Julio and soaking up as much about playing wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, it's similar to when Julio was first in the league back in 2011. He soaked up information from Waddy White like a sponge. Um, The Falcons receiving core has a chance to be one of the best in the NFL, Um, and as far as other Falcon news, uh, Jake Matthews just signed a five-year, $75 million contract. Um, Matthew plays one of the most important positions in football um, in left tackle, protecting Matt Ryan's blindside. So, Joe, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Jake Matthews' uh, five-year, $75 million contract?
0: I'll say this. I, I think he deserved it. Um, I think the left tackle spot in the NFL is really hard to find. And if you've got a really solid left tackle, like the Falcons do with Jake Matthews, you find every way to pay him. Because, because like you said, um, being a left tackle uh is probably one of the toughest positions in all of football because you're protecting Matt Ryan's blind side. And our, and before Jake Matthews got here, the Falcons kinda went through left tackles, you know, you know, pretty frequently. And the offensive line in general um was not near as stable um before Jake got here. And so I think and so I think it's very smart and very wise for the Falcons to pay Jake Matthews, um, the money that he's going to be paid. Um, And I'm really looking for big things from Jake this fall and for the rest of this contract. So we're going to transition now to a little Georgia football. At long last, it's slowly but surely coming back. And there's one event this weekend that kind of, you know, kicks it into high gear for a lot of people. So Georgia football will have its annual open practice on Saturday with the general public, the dogs and get autographs and the practice will be very bland and basic but on the bright side. Fans can see the QB's throw, fields field and from. Throw the ball over the lot and uh, and you can see some of these really talented wide receivers. Nico Hardman, Terry Godwin, and Demetrius Robinson making plays and I expect, and, and I really do expect those three receivers I just mentioned as well as Riley, Ridley, and Isaac Nata to make a lot of plays for the dogs this fall. And so that'll be cool for fans to get to watch these quarterbacks and watch these tight ends and wide receivers work. And the strength of this Georgia team, without a doubt, will be the offensive line. And people forget people forget that Georgia only lost one guy from the offensive line this past, this past year in Isaiah Wynn, who's now with the New England Patriots. And he's now protecting Sonny Michel again in the NFL. Because Sony's with the Patriots. The Georgia's offensive line this year is led by senior center Lamont Galliard. As well as sophomore left tackle Andrew Thomas. And uh, as well as uh, right tackle Isaiah Wilson. Who is a from Brooklyn, New York. And Isaiah Wilson's a guy who's got all the talent in the world to be a stud right tackle. And so I'm really excited about those three linemen. And... They're, I think Georgia's offensive line is going to be the real strength of this team. And they're going to be able to keep Jake Fromm upright as well as protect. Or not only protect Fromm, but also create running lanes for the loaded backfield that Georgia has. James Cook and Zamir White and Brian Harrigan and Elijah Holyfield and DeAndre Swift. And once again, Georgia's got a loaded backfield of all the guys I just mentioned. So I'm really excited to watch the offensive line work. Going back to Jake Fromm, I expect Fromm to have a lot more on his plate this year. I expect him to be able to make more plays downfield. And for Kirby and new quarterbacks coach James Coley to have a little bit more faith in Fromm's ability to make plays. Because the running backs, uh, Michelle and Chubb are not there anymore. I expect a lot more. Really excited to watch the jump jake makes from his freshman year to his sophomore year because i've because i've heard this all throughout my life the biggest jump for any college athlete is their freshman year to their sophomore year because they have an off season they have a summer you know to bulk up and you know watch film and you know work with work with receivers or or if it's basketball you you see guys like working with coaches and getting more Getting more time to work on their jump shot, or same with baseball, you know, whatever the sport is, that's really the biggest jump because by their sophomore year, they really figure this thing out, and a lot of them really succeed. And I think the world that Jake from, and that's not that's not to say anything about Justin Fields because I think mean, Justin Fields is a very talented kid. I think Fields has a lot of skill and a lot of ability, and he's got the ability to run and create and do things with his legs, as well as he has a rocket arm. And I expect Georgia to find a way to use both quarterbacks. And Georgia really hasn't had a dynamic dual-threat quarterback like Justin Fields since DJ Shockley back in 2005. And Georgia used the two-quarterback system pretty effectively when David Green and DJ Shockley were here. I'm not saying Georgia's gonna do that all the time, but maybe, maybe we could see Kirby Smart and uh, the offensive coaches are, have some packages for Justin Fields and kind of let he and Fromm both work together. So I'll ask you, RG3, what, what are your expectations and what are you most excited about watching Georgia this fall?
1: My expectations are, um, I expect Georgia to play very well again this year. I mean, the... We lost a lot of talent, but we also kept a lot of talent as well as gained a lot of talent. Kirby Smart's done a fantastic job in recruiting, as you well know, and I'm really curious to see how all the returning players uh, improve this year. Uh, Like you mentioned, Jake Fromm and uh, Isaac Nada. Um, And I don't know, I'm curious to see... How the offense, uh, how the offense shifts um, to all these new tools, um, like you said, um, From, um, is he going to be throwing more? And I'm also curious to see how are they going to utilize the tight ends. Um, is is the relationship between From and Nada going to improve? Um or are they going to use tight ends mostly for blocking? Um, I don't know it really curious how they put this puzzle together this season.
0: I'm curious about that too. I'm curious about that too. And I know and I know a lot of Georgia fans are very nervous about Georgia's defense and everything, and that's something we haven't really talked about a lot, but from what I can tell, from what Georgia's got coming back, I think Georgia's defensive line is going to be a lot better than what people than what people think. You know, you know Georgia's got some talent coming back on the defensive line, and Joy Rochester, and uh, Tyler Clark, as well as Notre Dame transfer Jay Hayes. I expect I expect those three to make an impact, being upperclassmen, and that's going to allow linebackers like Monty Rice and a uh, true freshman, Adam Anderson, to be able to make plays, dogs. And I also feel like Georgia's uh, secondary is really, really good. Uh, once again, led by DeAndre Baker, he kind of he slides into that number one cornerback role, as well as the top ball hawk that Georgia's got coming back. I'm really, really excited about this young defense. And like, like you said earlier, you know, Smart's done a really good job in recruiting. And the two areas that Kirby's really focused on has been both lines of scrimmage, the offensive line and the defensive line. And I'm really, really curious to see some of these young defensive kids, um, you know, whether they're true freshmen or whether they're red shirts. I'm really, really curious to see, you know, how all that works. And I expect Georgia uh, to win the East and uh, either take on Bama or Auburn uh, on the SEC championship. And I'm not saying... And that's honestly what I believe in my heart. I mean, I, I mean, I expect uh, Missouri to be a challenge because they have the quarterback back, this uh, the three-year starter in uh, Drew Locke. I think the Missouri game is going to be challenging for Georgia because it's at Missouri, but Georgia's won there before, and Georgia got to Drew Locke last year. I think, I think the South Carolina game could always be tough just because it's South Carolina, and that game's always been weird, and it's in Columbia, and that place has kind of been you know a house of horrors for Georgia in the past but but the, but those are two of the tougher road games that I'm nervous about especially with a young defense and that's where you've got and that's where you've got uh, playmakers in the backfield and from in your offensive line. And so basically what I'm saying is a year ago is how a year ago we were, ver- we were very you know confident in Georgia's defense. And the, de- and the defense made made the offense's life easier. We were a little more like questioned. We were a little more like an uneasy about the offense. But I think the roles are flipped. I think Georgia's defense is young. I think it's talented. But I expect the offense to really to really take charge and to lead this team. Especially with the offensive line. With how good I think that they'll be. And as well as Jake Ron making that jump from his freshman to his sophomore year. Alright guys, so before we sign off, we just wanted to plug up our contest again. You know, all you have to do is leave a comment, or you can just tell us, you know, what you like about our podcast, you know, what you don't like. Um, you know, give us some feedback. You know, you know, we really want to engage with our listeners, and uh, we're really excited about this contest that we have working. And so to go into a little more in depth about it,
1: I'm going to turn it over to RG3, the contest master. <laughs> I don't know if you want to say that, but um, like Joe said, you know, leave a comment, um, just a post comment on uh, what you like about the show, what you don't like, uh, a photo of uh, your favorite sporting venue or your seats uh, to the game you were at uh, the other night, so just leave a comment on Facebook, Twitter, um, at FanSeasons. Um, and also bear with us as we're still working on transitioning uh, from SoundCloud over to uh, Blogspot as well as iTunes. So um, be on the lookout, and we'll update you once everything is complete, and you can subscribe and follow us on iTunes.
0: All right, guys, we really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. For RG3, I'm Jamin Joe. This has been the Fan Brawl Seasons Podcast. See ya.